Good morning. I'd like to welcome you back to a new week and another edition of our Anchored in the Word Morning Reflection. And I uh, just want to give you a little bit of an idea of what we'll be doing this week and next week. Um, the plan that I have is that I will I will do 250 episodes. So this morning is episode 239. And so uh, when I hit 250, I'm going to take a little break until we come back in the new year. And so um, basically I'll be taking like a week off, something like that. But um, just wanted to let you know that so that uh, you're prepared for that. And um, really love the Christmas season. Um, I love it when it starts getting cold, when we get snow, uh, when we get our ice rink out for the kids. And uh, just really enjoy that this time of the year. And I hope that as we talk about really the purpose of Christmas, why we celebrate it as Christians, the incarnation, that, that these are things that will be very helpful to you. Um, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to lay out some introductory thoughts for the rest of the week, and this will be built on our Christmas cantata that we just had on Sunday. And so if you enjoyed that cantata and uh, the dialogue and all those things, what you're doing is you're you're kind of looking at the introduction to, <laughs> excuse me, the thing that we'll talk about throughout this week. So the text is Luke chapter 1, verses 67 down to 79. Here's what it says. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people, and hath raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spake by the mouth of the holy prophets, which they have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our, en that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all them that hate us, to perform the mercy promised of our Lord and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he spake to our father Abraham, that he should grant unto us that we might be delivered out of the hand of our enemies and might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And thou, child, shalt be called the prophet of the highest, for thou, for thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his way, to give knowledge of, the, of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. Now, this passage is rich because it's full of so much gospel-centered information. And at the surface, uh, we see that, that John, or excuse me, John's father is naming his son and his lips have been loosed. He's now able to speak. And this is what he wants to share. So the cantata that we had on Sunday kind of laid out the background of the events that led up to the birth of Christ. But there are a couple of things that I want you to notice in reflection that are emphasized in those verses. The first is this, there were Old Testament saints who were looking forward to the promised Savior. Zechariah and his wife were examples of this. Uh, when Jesus is taken to the temple after he's born, and he goes, uh, during that time, there was ritual purification that was supposed to take place. Um, at that time, he meets, um, or he, the family meets a man named Simeon, and Simeon talks about Jesus as the constellation of Israel. And Anna is another one who was looking forward to the Savior. There were lots of people at the time of Christ who were believers and they were anticipating a Savior. And so that is one of the emphases of this text. A second is that there were people who carried tremendous burdens. The nation of Israel in its history has had a tumultuous history. Lots and lots of enemies who have conquered them, who have oppressed them, times where they were removed from the land, times where they were uh, conquered and treated terribly in the land, outside of the land, exiled. 
But the, the storyline here is not just the pain of being a conquered people being ruled by the Romans, but it's, it's the pain of Zacharias and Elizabeth being unable to have children. And being able to ha have, ch uh, have children was something that would have been stigmatized in those days. And another part of it is that obviously Zechariah and Elizabeth would have hoped that maybe they could potentially be a part of the story of redemption. And they were going to be a part of the story of redemption. They are a part of the story of redemption. But before the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, they would have felt that that potential was gone because they were now past the age where they could have children. A third emphasis here is that even though they believed that God was going to send a savior, this is intriguing to me, but it shouldn't shock us. When it became personal, when God says, I'm not just going to send a savior, but I'm going to use your family to be a part of this story. The one who is promised, who's going to prepare the way of the Lord, that's going to be your son. Now, when it becomes personal like that, and it's going to involve a miracle for that to take place. Zechariah and his wife, Elizabeth, they looked at it differently. And in the same way, we often are like this. We can trust God with the big picture, but the little details, it's a little bit tougher to do that. And then the fourth emphasis is what we will focus on this week. And that is Zechariah's words about Christ are some of the richest in all of scripture. And I want to start with the first statement that I think is rich and beautiful. And that's found in verse 67. I'm going to read it to you and then comment on it. It says, his father, Zecharias, was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied. Now, um, that's, a, that's really important because up to this time, it had been several hundred years of silence. And God had not spoken to the nation of Israel through a living prophet. The only way that God was working in the nation uh, was through the written word. There were no speaking prophets or writing prophets during those silent years. And it says, Zecharias spoke and prophesied as he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The very first word spoken by God through a prophet for many, many generations in Israel. And this is what he says, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited his people. Now, when he uses the word visited, this is a very rich term. It is, it is a relational term. It has the idea of God's desiring to come alongside and care for his people very tenderly. It is a compassion-filled kind of word. It emphasizes the goodness of God and his love for them. And we see the richness of this term in passages like James 1 where it says that pure religion is visiting the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. The idea is going and ministering to them, serving them, blessing them, uplifting them, strengthening them. It's a very personal mercy kind of oriented term. Or in Hebrews chapter two, verse six, it says, what is man that thou art mindful of him or the son of man that thou visitest him? The idea is that there is a desire on the part of God and there is action behind the desire to go to man and to establish a very personal relationship. And to state it very simply, God wants people to know him and to walk with him and to enjoy him. And really that plan was unhindered until the fall in Genesis 3, which was not very long after the creation of the world. We don't know the exact timing. But after that, now there's something that stands between man and his God. 
And God has to address that issue or mankind cannot commune with God as he was designed to do. And so I'll share these final thoughts with you. It's still God's desire for people to know him and to know him personally. And it's not just, it's his desire in a general sense, but it's his desire for you personally to know him. That's why he gave us the scriptures. That's why he sent us uh, his son into the world to redeem us to himself. And so I want to encourage you this morning. Let's take the invitation to know God personally and to walk with him seriously this week. Let's take time every day to get into the word. Let's be reflective as we read the word. Let's spend time fellowshipping with God, communing with God, worshiping God, thinking about life in the light of our position in Christ and all the truths that are packaged in that gospel story. That's my encouragement to you this week. So Lord willing, uh, we will do this in our Anchored in the Word series studies, and I encourage you to do it outside of that time as well. Have a blessed week. Lord willing, tomorrow we'll meet again. Bye now.